Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, everyone. Happy Labor Day weekend. Thanks for joining us online or here in the room. It's great to see you all with us this morning. Just one thing before we get going with the rest of the message this morning. On Tuesday, it's actually my parents' 58th wedding anniversary. (laughs) So we just wanted to honor them this morning. Um, Very literally, this church would not be here if it wasn't for my parents. I've been a lead pastor here for the last 12 years now. Wow. Take that in for a moment. (laughs) Not as old as you, Dad. Um, (laughs) My parents pastored here for 20 years before I did. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of great stories that we have told over the years, but uh, this building that we are in as a church family was a dream that my dad had uh, in the early 90s, and we get, it's not every day you get to sit in the middle of your miracle, and my parents do get to do that every Sunday as they sit here, so we just wanted to honor them today. Thank you for your example. We love you. So if you need some marriage advice, don't come to me, all right, just 58 years, friends. Nicole and I just be, Nicole and I are just 25 years. They're more than double us, so they got way more advice than we do. Um, Just one other practical thing before we get started with the message this morning, registration process that we have in place right now that I know that you all love (laughs) and appreciate. You should appreciate it because our team has put a lot of effort into what we're having to do right now. And a lot of what we're having to do right now is not because of the choices that we're making, it's just things going on. And so I would ask, as your pastor, as people that are here in the room and then people that are going to be online as we move forward right now, we're just have one uh, physical service that we can attend. The next couple of months, we're going to be adding the 11. Both services are going to be obviously at limited capacity, but please When, very simply, let me put it this way, please follow the registration process, and then please follow the instructions that you get in your email. That's very two simple sentences, right? So if everybody could just help us out with that, that would really help our team out. That would expedite the process at the door. I know some of people get put on the waiting list. If you're on the waiting list, please follow the instructions in the email. Everybody raise your hand. Say, Pastor Brent. I will follow the registration process. It will just make it so much easier for our team. I know everybody's like, well, why this and why that? I get it. But right now, with all due respect, don't be toddlers, okay? Don't keep asking why. It would just make it so much faster, all right? So when you get your email, follow the instructions on the email, okay? I'm having a dad moment right now. Just make it so much easier. Do as you're told. All right. (laughs) All right. We are continuing our series that we have called Following the Way. And we are talking about all the ways that we see in the scripture that God wants us to be. And so important for us in this season of the world to be following the ways of Jesus. Uh, We see in the Old Testament... Uh, In the book of Judges, it says this, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everybody was doing their own thing. And we we look at in culture today in the world, 
It's kind of a little bit like that. And everybody's doing their own thing. It says there was no king. There was no rulership over their lives. Now, we as believers, as followers of Jesus, we actually have a Lord and Savior. Someone who saved us from sin and has saved us from a destiny without him. But then also he is our Lord. That means he is the one that we have submitted our lives to, that we would be living life the way that he has given us to live. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life, not religion. Jesus didn't come to offer us religion, that he came to offer us life. So when we go to the scripture, we are looking for life as it's intended to be lived. So this is what following the way is all about, following the ways of the giver of life. So, so far, we've looked in this series, we're contrasting man's ways with God's ways. And God wants us to be influential in culture, which, which is kind of a theme of the whole series, that as we follow the ways of God, we can be a preservative, we can uh, affect positive change in the world, that we can be difference makers in the world. Second week, we talked about the path of most resistance, resisting what the enemy would have for us. And we're going to do that by knowing what the Word of God says. Uh, the way of the family of God, a, a multiracial, multi-ethnic family that God has, we, we see in the future, that this is the, the picture that God has given us. Uh, people from every kindred, tribe, and nation that are going to be worshiping around the throne together. And this is the vision that God has given the church, and we should embrace it as individual Christ followers. And we should enjoy this vision. This should be our vision of life and of church kingdom ways as it relates to government and and our relationship to government. And then last week, we talked about the way of the word of God. In other words, the way of transformation that God wants to expose us to the word, not just for information's sake, but for transformation, that we would be transformed into the image of Jesus. All of those messages are available online through a podcast and then also through Spotify. Now, I've been reading out all these different ways from the scripture um, listed in the scripture. If you missed any of those, it's available on one of our earlier messages. But ultimately, we see this idea, uh, Jesus is the way, that as we follow closely to Jesus, his words, his thoughts, his lordship, and then subsequently our discipleship that we should be learners of the way of God as we look at the life of Jesus. Now, a way just means a journey, a going, a manner, a means, how I am getting somewhere, how I'm living my life. See, this is what's so important about your life and my life, that as we are saved and as our destination is forever in the presence of God, See, it's not only that. It's not only, oh, that we get to be in heaven forever with Jesus. It's how we live our lives from now until that point. God has so much to say about the life that we live right now. Thank God for that moment that we'll be together praising God around the throne. But right now, he's got a life for us to live, and he's got some ways for us to live that life. And see, the church needs to be the church right now. The church doesn't need to be the world light. Do you know what I mean by that? Just like a a little bit safer version of the world. No, we need to find the culture of the kingdom and live the culture of the kingdom. Not be looking to the world 
and secularism for how we should be living our lives. What does God have to say? What, are the, what is the ancient wisdom that we see in the scripture that God has given us, that God has revealed to us through the word of God and through Jesus himself so that we can live the ways of God? Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says this about you and I as individual Christ followers. You are the salt of the earth, a preservative, uh, an additive flavor, talking about his followers. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So the followers of Jesus, there is an aspect of us understanding the teachings of Jesus, and then when we live out those ways, we can make a difference in the world, but if we lose our saltiness, in other words, if we're just like the world, if we sound and look and talk and act just like the world does, the world's ways, then we've lost our saltiness, and then the scripture says, in very direct terms, we're kind of good for nothing. And then it says this, you, Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In order to people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to be a light in the world, not to ourselves and of ourselves. That we're going to be a light in the world when we live the ways of God, when we embrace them, when we let the ways of God saturate us. And then we live out those things that we can be salt and light in the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We talked about all these different ways. And one of the great ways that we see in the New Testament is the scripture says a more excellent way. And do you know what that more excellent way is? That more excellent way is the way of love. It's the way of love. And the way of love in its truest, purest form actually comes from God. And it is undeniable that we desire to be loved. This is why there's rom-coms. Romantic comedies. Sorry if you didn't get the short form. Romantic comedies, why, why do we like romantic comedies? There's a whole section on Netflix, I think, is romantic comedies. Why? Because we just want to watch love. We just want to watch this journey of love, and we want to feel something in the moment. Just look at the love. And I don't have the exact measurement of this, but I would say, and I, I think you might agree with me, there's been more songs written about love and broken love than any other subject, there's no songs about science. (laughs) There might be a song about science to help you to memorize something for a test. But there's something down deep in us that I believe God has placed there, that we would be able to recognize love and we desire love. And then therefore, we should know how to give it away in this is the way. This is the way. This is the New Testament way. This is the New Testament command. What is the New Testament command? Love each other as I have loved you. Love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. The totality of the scripture as culminated in Jesus 
is in this word, love. And if the church doesn't love all people, we have lost our way. And it's not just romantic love, feel-good love. Love that makes me feel good in, in a moment. And love, you know, that, that euphoria that you have at, at the beginning of a dating relationship. You know, for those of you who've been married a long time, maybe 58 years, maybe you can go way back in your mind. Do you remember that, that moment, just the, the butterflies and just the emotions? And, you know, we were just going to sit up all night long and talk to each other. There's people that are addicted to that, and that's why they go through relationship after relationship. We're not getting into that today. It's another topic of non-committal out there. But ultimately, that is not the God kind of love. That, that rom- those romantic feelings, those are wonderful things. It's great to feel those things. Does anybody desire those things? Any single people in the house ready for some butterflies? I, I hope you have the butterflies, but I want you to know after the butterflies are gone, there is going to be a necessary choice of love. And this is, what, this is where the separation is in the world, in the world's way of loving, and God's way of loving. God's love, scripturally defined love, is this. It is volitional love. In other words, the love of choosing, that I'm choosing to love you. It's not... Uh, it's not based on a feeling. It's not based on an emotion I would have in this moment, either to like you or you did something for me. Volitional love is I choose to love. I'm not waiting for a feeling. I'm not waiting for the butterflies. I'm not waiting for some sort of flutter in my soul with the romance and playing in the background of my favorite love song. We're just going to get the mood just right. And then I can love. No, no. God's love is strong. It doesn't need any feelings. It is the love based on a choice. It's, not, it's, a, it's opposed to purely emotional love. The love of God is self-sacrificial love. A love that is, listen to this definition, a love that is naturally expressed by God but not as easily expressed by men and women. It's God's natural state. But for you and I, it's not our natural state. This is why we have to yield to the way of the love of God. It is a word that speaks of compassion and regard and kindness. It is an unselfish love that transcends natural affinities, natural likes and dislikes. In short, it is a love that we don't naturally have. It is divine in its source. It's divine in its source. In other words, it's from God, which would make sense. The God kind of love is from God. Listen to this other definition, a caring commitment Everybody say commitment. Not the same as the butterflies. Thank God for the butterflies. All you single people, I want you to have a full set of butterflies. But it's a commitment. Love is a commitment in which affection and delight are shown to others. Everybody say others. 
which is grounded in the nature of God himself. It's grounded in God himself, in his words and actions, and supremely in the death of Jesus on the cross. God demonstrates the nature of love and defines the direction in which human love and all its forms should develop. Human love should develop and be grounded on the love of God. And the reason we have a struggle in the world right now, in all relationships, in all their forms, is that we don't ground love in God. We ground it in our feelings. We ground it in what you can do for me. How you make me feel in this moment. How you think right now and whether I like it or dislike it will decide if I love you. This is how the world loves. It's fickle. Maybe yes, maybe no. All the, you need to do all of these things. You need to jump through all of these hopes and then I will love you. It is conditional love. But the God kind of love is nested in. It's grounded on God himself. And not just God as an idea, God as sending his son to the earth so that we could see love in action. Man, if we could just get a hold of this. That we saw self-sacrificial love in action. That is what the love of God is grounded upon. And it is the place from which believers should live. In other words, this. You don't have to do anything for me to make me feel that I should love you. It's just that I'm going to decide to love you. Volitional love, the love of choice, I'm choosing to love. Based on what? Based on my politics. No, that, that's shaky ground, friends. Very shaky ground. Based on what you could do for me. Based on if we think alike, if we agree on everything, if we agree on how the governments in Canada have approached the pandemic, I will love you. But if not, I just want you to know that there's a potential unfriending happening on Facebook. And if you don't agree with me, feel free to unfriend me. Feel free to unfollow. Because we don't think alike. That is the world's love, friends. And I keep bringing this up. This is why there's no such things as Christians being involved in cancel culture. It's not available to us as a way of God. Here's the standard that you have not lived up to. I cancel. No, my, my love for people, my love for people, all people, saved and unsaved, has nothing to do with what they do. It's grounded in God himself for believers, for followers of Jesus. Do you understand? This is the problem in the world, friends. 
This is the constant fight at every level in the world. As we don't agree, we're not alike, I withhold love. But the love that's grounded in God, can you see this? It is so powerful because it's grounded in God himself, not in me. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from politics. It doesn't come from agreement. It's nested in. It sits in God himself. And this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. I mentioned this earlier in the series, but I'm going to read it again. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right? Isn't that what we do? We love the people that are like us, but what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to hate our enemy. We're supposed to dislike the ones that aren't like us. We're supposed to dislike the ones that do, don't do anything for us. And we're especially not supposed to like the things that somebody does against me. Somebody who's actively against me. That is my enemy. That would just be an average standard, right? Just a super average worldly standard. I'm with the people that are with me, and the people that are against me, I'm against them. Listen to what Jesus says. But I say to you, Jesus says, but I say. Listen, and when I would say this about modern philosophies, no modern philosophy can make a claim on this and say it's our thing. It comes from the enlightenment. It comes from my political position. Jesus said, love your enemies. Okay, Jesus, you got to be kidding, right? You're kidding me, right, Jesus? This is love not based on a feeling. This is love nested in God. The love that I'm choosing to live. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. What do the children of God do? What do the children of God do? What is the way of God as it relates to love? We love our enemies. Come on now. This is not political love because there's no such thing as political love. Because we're against the other political side, right? We're against them. We can't even listen to their ideas. Even if they're good, we pretend we didn't hear it. Because why? We're against them. That is not godly love. That's why I said, hey, have fun, have a fun political discussion. But you can't dive. Your, your life cannot be predicated on, as a believer, this is my political side. Because your political side automatically demeans the other side and puts them down. And you are superior to them based on your thinking. And this is not the God kind of love. Have a fun political conversation. But love your enemies. This is why Christians need to get good at having conversations with people who disagree with you. 
not cancel them or unfollow them or unfriend them. Oh, this person that's against me because of whatever? Um, love your enemies. So that means you and I can disagree and I can still have a smile on my face when I talk to you. And I can still walk away from that conversation and love you and pray for you. And I don't know how you can't see that that wouldn't change the world in every way. If we did that, if we did just those few little words, wouldn't that change the world? That we could just disagree about ideas and I could smile at you and we could hug each other and be like, hey, I'll be praying for you. I love, we don't agree, but I love you. Listen, you sin differently than me, but I still love you. And we're going to love the one who opposes us. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, God does. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust, God does. God sends rain, in other words, his blessing to your enemies and the people you don't like and the people that you're mad at online. God actually loves them and he's wanting you to love them. He's wanting you to dive into his love and love them, not be like everybody else. Because we got enough of the everybody else. Hate the opposition. Hate the ones that are against me. There's enough of that going around, friends. Church should not be involved in that. We should be sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Jesus is getting us good. If we love the people that like us, what good is it? Hey, the tax collectors, the worst sinners you could think of can do that. They can love the people that are like them. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Sons and daughters of God, what does it look like? Well, we're going to love people. See, the good news is, see, I don't have to be somebody's eternal judge. So let's, we could take the weight of that responsibility off our shoulders, right? What do we get to do? We get to love. And then I'll let God be the judge. I'll let God be the eternal judge. He's way more qualified than I am to do that job. Don't you, don't you think? They voted for so-and-so. For sure, they're going to hell. You know, we'll, we'll let the Lord decide based on that action. You know what I mean? You and I don't qualify for that, that judgment seat. What we do qualify for is to nest our lives in the love of God, and we get to love each other, and we get to love our enemies, and we get to love the people that like us, and we get to love the people who dislike us. We can have civil discourse with people who don't, we don't agree with, and we, at the end of the conversation, we can still not agree, but then we can love them and pray for them. Amen. Just, just that. That will change the world. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says this, and I will show you a more excellent way. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, we read it at all the weddings. It's so beautiful and so poetic, so hard to do. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding God or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith to move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. This is first person now, friends. It's not for you to be thinking about, I wish my aunt was here because she's not a loving person. This is for, for I. This is for me. There's these spiritual things, and then there's knowledge things, and then there's things that I would do. And what we like to do is we like to hold all of those things up as trophies of our awesomeness. Trophies of which people need to agree with. My knowledge that I have in this moment, the knowledge that I've gained in this moment, you must agree with it for me to love you. That's the world way. God's way is unconditional. I don't need to feel some kind of way about you to love you. I give all that I possess to the poor and give over to my body the hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, here we go. We're going to read the famous list. And the list that I'm about to read is not for you to measure somebody else in the church and if they do this for you or not. This is for you. Are you here this morning? Give me a loud amen in the room. Give me a loud amen in the chat online. So here, this list is for me. Because yes, we, we know that there's people in the world who don't do this list. There's people in the church who don't do this list. And I know you want to control them, but you can't. So stop trying. But what you can do is you can do you. And this is what the love that is nested in God himself looks like. Love is patient. I mean, we could just stop there and we could cry in conviction for hours if we're honest. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Even the people you don't agree with. It, the love of God, doesn't do that. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Can you fathom that one with me? It's not doesn't mean that I can't be aware of when something is wrong. Of course. We have that ability but I am not going to keep a record of it. So here's my question based on that. Doesn't God do that with you? God, doesn't God do that with me? If he doesn't, there's no hope for us, friends. 
But love is not counting it up. Christians driving themselves crazy, counting the wrongs of the world. And my advice for you, stop it. Because I have some other advice. It's going to keep happening. The world is dark. It's a dark place. But in God, things get brighter and brighter. Because when we learn to do this, I'm, I'm not going to count up the mess that's happening in the world and then let it affect my life. Man, I'm going to love. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It never fails. It never fails. First John chapter 3, verse 16. By this we know love, if he, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to. Everybody say ought to. That means should. What, what should believers do? We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And, and friends, I, I know the world doesn't do this. But yeah, but Pastor Brent, blah, 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 the world and the politics, blah, blah, blah. I get it. That's why we need to do it. I get it. That's why we need to do it. Who else is going to do this? That the one we followed laid down his life, and then we laid down our lives. We sacrifice our lives for other people. Anyone who does not know God, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. God is love. The one with whom we have a relationship, this is his essence. This is who he is. And this is what he wants us to do, and this is who he wants us to be. We love, here's the kicker, because he first loved us. Where does the love that I need to give away, because I need to give it away to the people that I like and the people that I don't like, the people that I don't like, God wants me to give love to them. How am I going to do that? We love because he first loved us. And this is what a lot of believers miss out. They're trying to look at the world and the situations in the world and say, I can't love that person because of X, Y, and Z. But we love because he loved us, not because what people do. So what do we have to get? We have to get a revelation of the love of God for me. No, I'm going a little bit longer this morning because at the beginning, I messed around with the announcement and my parents thing. So I know the team is saying I'm over, but I'm not really over my preaching time. Anyone anyway, saying that? <laughs> I have to get a real, I have to, listen, 
I have to take the love of God personally. That's what I need to take personally. The love of God. I need to take it personally. What do we usually take personally? Well, something that would offend me. Don't waste your time with that. What you need to take personally is the love of God because it's directed towards you. That God sent his son Jesus to die for you, to sacrifice himself to you, not just to say, hey, I love you, not just to give you the butterflies, but to take the action of love. But God, Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love, everybody say great love, with which he loved us. It's not a come and go love. It's not a, hey, you made me feel it today. You gave me, God's not up in heaven saying to you and I, you gave me the butterflies today, so I really love you. The great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Can you see that, my friends? Even when you were dead in your trespasses, even when I was dead in my sin, even when I was resisting God, can you remember that moment in your life? when you were pushing away from God. Even in that moment, God's love is there. It is ever present. His love is not like the love of the world. And he wants this love. He wants us to take it personally. He wants us to be permeated with this idea that even when we were pushing him away, even when we didn't want him, Think about that. What if we humanize that discussion? Even if we think about a person that you're as mean to them as you could be, say all of the insults that you could say, push them away. I don't want you. And on the other side of that, that person says, I'll love you eternally. That's the love of God. Jeremiah 31, 3. Barbara, come on up before I keep going. The Lord appeared to him from far away. This vision that Jeremiah had. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And friends, this is what I want you to get today. This is where I wanted to get to you in my message today. This is the moment of the message. I know it's late. But just, I want you to just... Sit in this for a moment. I have loved you with an everlasting love. A love that doesn't change. A love that doesn't go away. A love that's not based on feelings. A love that's not based on your actions. A love that's not based on your thoughts. A love that's not based on your political affiliation. A love that's not based on how many followers you have online or how much people like you or don't like you. God says, God does, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And friends, this 
is the place that we need to get our identity and our security and our strength for life and the strength to be able to face whatever comes my way that God says to us, I have loved you. Nothing to do with you that he himself is love. The very essence of love loves you. You need to take that personally. Because that's the place that God wants us to live from. The world is going to be crazy, and the world has been crazy. But if we can get a hold of this, come what may, he loves you with an everlasting love. I'm not, I'm not looking for love from circumstances. I'm not looking for love from world events. I don't need it from there because God himself has loved me with an everlasting love. Psalm 103 verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Even if you messed up last night. Now, if you did mess up last night, don't mess up tonight. I'm not approving of sin. But his steadfast love abounds to you. And the moments when we sin is the moment we need to remember that he is looking at us and he says to us, I've loved you with an everlasting love cannot be extinguished, cannot be put out by circumstances and world events and what people feel about you or don't feel about you, God himself says. My love is abounding towards you. Last thing. Matthew chapter 12. See this. Jesus ministry. Verse 9, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, trying to cancel Jesus. It's not working, friends. They say to him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And based on your answer, Jesus, we're going to know how righteous you are based on what you say in this moment trying to set him up. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? He said to them, if any of you have a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? For all you animal lovers, this is great, but this is a good verse for you, that people are more valuable than animals, my love. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, even when the religious rules of the day say you can't do good. It's the right time to do good. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hands. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as the sound, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. They missed the point again. 
Everybody put your stuff away. If you're taking notes, you got a Bible, you got a phone, whatever it is. I, I, I want us to think about the love of God for a moment. If you find yourself in any type of pit today, a pit of sin, a pit of sickness, a pit of brokenheartedness, a pit of pain, a pit of poverty, depression, oppression, hopelessness, despair, anger, frustration, fear, purposelessness, God is not looking at you and saying, the circumstances aren't right for me to pull you out of the pit because of what you think and what you did last night and how much of a sorry husband you are or how much of a sorry wife you are or how much of a sorry individual you are or a friend that you are or somebody doesn't like you or somebody doesn't think highly of you. God is not consulting any of those things. He himself, if you are in any of those pits, is reaching down to you and he's pulling you out. It is a good day for that. That we don't have to sit in that stuff anymore. We're not letting any of that stuff define us anymore. We're not letting the world define us anymore. That is a pit. But the love of God is nested in his choice, in his essence to love you and me. And he reaches down in the pit and he pulls us out. So let's not lay back down in the pit that God is pulling us out of. But I feel this way and I've gone through this and here's my struggle and here's the thing that's going on. No, don't lay down in the pit. God is reaching to pull you out. He's reaching down with his everlasting love. His everlasting love forgives us. It heals us heals our bodies, heals our broken heart, heals our emotions, heals our pain, heals our struggle. He says to us all today, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Let's reach out of the pit and say, Lord, I'm taking your hand. I'm coming out. how we have a relationship with God, that God offers us a relationship with himself based on himself. He says, hey, reaching out to you. Reach out to us with the hand of salvation. What do we need to do when the hand of salvation is reached out to us? And we take that hand because that hand loves us. So if that's you today, take that hand. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you're watching us online, take that hand of salvation, that everlasting love God offers it to you today. Let's just pray this morning. Father God, we just love you so much. We're so thankful for your love. God, we just pray that you permeate our lives with your love today. God, we want to take your love personally. We take it as our identity. Your love for us. 
not what other people think about us. God, and just like Jeremiah, you say the same thing to us today. I've loved you with an everlasting love. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sin. God, we thank you for your love today. We rest in your love today. Your love heals us. Your love, Lord, heals us of anything that we've gone through in the last six months, anything that we've faced in the last six months, any pain that has come up on our heart in the last six months. God, we know that you stay the same, that the world changes and people change, but your love for me stays the same. And I thank you for that, Lord, because it's from that place we can love others. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.